Praise God. Can we just take a moment to just acknowledge the presence of God in this place? His presence is in this room. Father, we thank you that you're not the kind of God who just sits in heaven, but you deal in the affairs of men. You come down and you fellowship with us. You commune with us. You love us. Just go ahead and feel his presence. He's in this room. Jesus is in this room. We do not take you for granted, O oh God. We will never get familiar with your presence. We will never get familiar with your presence, O oh God. We recognize it. We recognize you, sweet Holy Spirit. Let my God hear your voice tonight. Ye manda bahado se kia da kale de deisa imbra kalushta da inde gede. Thank you for your presence, O God. E kaina kalushta na da inde gede. Ali brahanda kade deista da inde gede. The presence that comforts, the presence that heals. E kalusa tani ande gede iste nerebosa. The presence that strengthens. The presence that gives direction. The presence that is stronger than any virus. Father, we worship you. We thank you that you do not leave us on our own. Ah, thank you that you're always with us. Thank you that you feel our pain. You feel our need. You hear our heart cry. You feel our hunger pangs for you. That we want to be more like you, oh God. Thank you that we can taste just a glimpse of heaven. Thank you. In Jesus' mighty name we worship if you know that you love my Jesus, come on, make some noise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Please help me greet the person beside you and then be seated in God's wonderful presence. Praise God. Hallelujah. When I said that yesterday on the island, I didn't quite get the same response. Who brought out the hand? They put it back. But they're not really sure whether some people came with the virus. But praise God, we serve a God whose presence is stronger than any virus. Amen. 
So this evening, um, I'm just going to pick up from where Pastor K stopped on Sunday. Um, we've been talking about out of Eden. And today I want to talk to you about restoring the Eden experience. Praise God. Um, one of the things I've learned as, um, as a child of God is that one of the most important things to God is that he has communion with you. That he gets to fellowship with you. That he gets to walk with you, talk to you. That you can have a real relationship with him. So he's not really just interested in you carrying your Bible about. But that you actually do read it. Not just because somebody will ask you whether you read your Bible. But so that you can hear his voice. So that you can read the love letters that he's sending to you. Praise God. Praise God. How many people want that kind of relationship with Jesus? Where, you, where he's so real to you. Like nobody can convince you that he's not real. Amen. And that's exactly the kind of relationship he wants to have with you as well. Let's start from Genesis 2, um, from verse 5. I'm going to read a few scriptures. It'll be a long read, but just follow me quickly. Project topics, can you help me so that we'll do this fast? Okay. So I'm reading the New King James Version. It says, Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to till the ground. But a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living being. Continue. It says, the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden. And there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every, every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. And the tree of life was also in the midst of the garden and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now take notes. These are the two, two trees that Pasquale was telling us about on Sunday. How many people can remember? So God had put in the garden. After he had made man, he, had, he now put the man in the garden. And the Bible tells us that he made every tree. The one that is good to look at, the one that is good for food. And that in the midst of all those trees he had made, he made two very special trees that he put in the middle of the garden. He made the tree of life and the tree of... The tree of what? Please, I want you to take note of that. It's very important. Next verse. It says, Now a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from there it parted and became four river heads. You need to move a bit quickly. The name of the first is Pishon. It is one which skirts the whole land of Havila, where there is gold. And it says, and the gold of that land is good. Bidelium and the onyx stone are there. 13. The name of the second river is Gihon. It is one which goes around the la whole land of Cush. 14. The name of the third river is Hidekel. It is one which goes toward the east of Assyria. The fourth river is the Euphrates. 15. It says, then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and to keep it. So man had an assignment. It says, and the Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. Can we read that together? Lord God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden, you may freely eat. Verse 17. I need us to read that together. One to go. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, 
you shall not eat. For in the day that you will eat of it, you shall surely die. So God made the garden, put the man in the garden. The man didn't know he needed a garden. The man did not know he needed to even be alive. The man did not know he needed anything. God came up with the whole plan. Decided to create a man after his image and his likeness. Someone who would get him. Someone who would be his kind. So it wasn't that he was looking for... You know, a lot of times people say one of the reasons why God created us is to worship him. Yes, that's partly true. But the truth is that angels were fulfilling that purpose. But the angels didn't get him. They were doing it whether they liked it or not. Angels are ministering spirits. They do not have a choice. They are created to worship. But God created us like him, which means that we have free will. We can choose whether to worship God or not. And God wanted people who would choose to worship him, people who would get him, people who were like him. So he put them in the garden and he said to them, I've created everything, apple, orange, by now everything you can possibly eat. He says, but you see, these two trees are there. He says, but out of those two trees is only one that you will not eat. Do you know the interesting thing is that it wasn't only the, good, the tree of good and evil that was there. The tree of life was there. Why, if God really was such a mean God, why did he say they can eat that one and not the other one? And so see what happened after God had given them that commandment. He said, don't eat that or you will surely die. Let's go to chapter 3 from verse 1. It says, now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Was that what God said? No. Verse 2. And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Verse 4. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. Verse 5. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Now, before, before we go on, I'm going to finish that scripture. Before we go on, it's interesting that every time Satan opens his mouth, he tells a lie. The mere fact that he said that God wants you to be like him. That's why he doesn't, sorry, God doesn't want you to be like him. That's why he doesn't want you, they should have known that it was a lie. Because in the first place, God said, let us make man in our own image and in our own, in our own, meaning that they were already like God. So there was nothing, and you see, and I, I need to buttress that because a lot of times, Satan whispers things in your mind. He whispers things to you. And a lot of us take, you know, we take Satan seriously. Anything Satan tells you is a lie. Let me help you settle it. If Satan says you are fat, I can guarantee you are very skinny. Because the Bible tells us categorically that he's the father of all lies. So anything Satan tells you, go to bank with it. It is a lie. If Satan says you are poor, it means you are very rich. So Satan came to them and told a very obvious lie. But because the woman was in a very chatty mode, she wasn't really paying attention. They did not, what they did not send that she was saying. Verse 6. It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eye and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate and she also gave to her husband with her and he ate. 
7. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. Please take note of that verse. That their eyes were opened, they knew they were naked, and the solution they came up with was to sew fig leaves. It says, verse 8, it says, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You know, it is, I mean, I've been been meditating on this scripture since Sunday. The whole, the very reason why we all today, why we all come to church and we we worship and we is to we we're, we're pressing in for the presence of God. Am I right? That's the whole. Am I right? Ah. Unless some of his husband he came to look for. Well, I'm I'm just saying what we should all come to church to do is we're coming here because we want to to feel the presence of God. We want to encounter the presence of God, and then the Bible tells us here that they hid themselves from the very thing that was making Eden Eden. Because the only reason why Eden was really Eden was because of God's presence. It could have been just any other garden. But the very fact that God's presence was there and that God would come down in the cool of the evening and stroll with Adam. Hey God, this Eden, pay me. No, no regrets today, no regrets. No regrets, Lord. I lay it on the altar, no regrets. But Eden for sweet too. Kai. And God will just come. So all this, our longing, I can't feel good pimples. As in you will see the presence of God. As in God will come down and just with them. And the Bible says that they saw the presence of God and they hid themselves. This is proof. You see, let me, let me, let me even, before I finish reading that scripture, let me deviate a bit. I'm going to get to the, towards the end of my message before I even get there. Because I've really been thinking about it. As in my mind, my mind has been working a million ways since Sunday. Because... When Pasquale was preaching, all I could ask myself is, why are we so comfortable outside Eden? Why are we so comfortable outside the presence of God? Now, the the beautiful thing about Eden was that Adam was operating at a supernatural level. Pasquale said it on on Sunday that he was supernaturally natural. Or was it naturally supernatural? Anyone? It was no super and natural inside. He was he was operating at optimal levels. His mind was working. Ah! You know, Pascal was saying that when, you know, how did Adam name the fish? Did he go into the water? Or did he do a roll call and they came? So that means that Adam probably could survive underwater for days. Because I don't think he named them in, or maybe he was so, his mind was so sharp that he could even name them in, in hours. But then what about the birds? So did that mean Adam could fly? Because I've been thinking about it all. You see, when you read the Bible, think well. I will now put myself inside. That, so does it mean that Adam could fly? Is it possible? Do you know how many species of ants there are? Adam named all. Before you will now come, remove, leave ants and now go into naming spider. Before you now go there to cockroach. As in... His mind was operating in, in ways, you know, and that's the thing about the, the tree of good and of evil. You know, Sunday, Pasuke explained to us 
that that word evil there doesn't necessarily mean bad or wicked. It actually means natural. Natural. So you know that scripture that says that if you who are evil know how to give good gifts. So it's talking about being natural. So that tree of good and of evil. So if, if evil implies natural, it means that good implies spiritual. So it was a tree of both spiritual and the natural realm. Because the Bible also tells us that every good and perfect gift comes from God. And the Bible tells us that God is a spirit. So anything that comes from God is spirit. So what God was trying to prevent them from. Because the Bible tells us that when they ate the fruit, their eyes were open. What God was trying to prevent them from was, he didn't want them to ever know that they were both spirit and natural. They were both spiritual and natural. Because contrary to what a lot of you think, you do not have a spirit. No, you are a spirit. So when God made man, he made him spirit. But for man to stay on this earth, he had to give him a body. That's your only legal tender. That is why when you die, when this body, this body decays, your spirit cannot stay here. In case you don't know, that is why you have power to send away demons. Because demons do not have a legal right to be here because they do not have bodies. That's why demons enter into human beings. Looking for who they can use. That's why Satan had to enter into the body of a serpent. So that he could use it to talk to him. He had no right to be here. He was, he was illegal. So God was trying to make it, to keep us spiritual. So if Adam had eaten the food, he would realize and become in touch with his natural. Which would make him inferior. Which would make him start operating at the level of flesh. It would reduce him. That was what God was against. Not that he didn't want their eyes to be open, but he knew that what, I mean, think, look, think about it now. How many of you, when you want, as you are not born again, even, even now, that, even now, that you are born again, even now. How many of you is your first impulse always the spiritual? You know, you struggle with it. Because even the things you want to do, you end up not doing it because the flesh is very strong. So Adam, who was operating at an optimal level, Immediately he ate the fruit. As much as the woman said that, she saw that it was good to make one wise. Do you know what it did? It actually made them more natural. It made them evil. It made them natural. So somebody that was operating at God's level, naming animals, making smart decisions, immediately ate the fruit. He decided to hide from the presence of God. How many people know that that's the most stupid thing you can try to do? How can you hide from God? So Adam started doing things stupidly. He found out he was naked. He was no longer thinking intelligently. What did he do? He went to cut leaf. How many of you know that by the time you wrap leaf around your body, by evening it don't spoil? So Adam started to die. So death does not necessarily mean when you just close your eyes and you are translated to another level. No. Death means that you lose your consciousness of God. Because what really makes you alive is that you, 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 you feel the presence of God, the life of God. The, because it is the life of God that makes us alive. So the Bible says that Adam and his wife hid from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. If, even if you are hiding from human beings among trees, they will see you. Praise God. 
then they were hiding from the presence of God. Verse 9. It says, then the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, where are you? Not because God couldn't see him. Not because God couldn't see him. God wanted him to see his stupidity. I think this is the first rhetorical question in the Bible. God said, where are you? It to start answering, to show you his level of stupidity now. <laughs> he said, so he said, in fact, let's read it together, verse 10. One to go. So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, and I hid myself. Verse 11. And he said, who told you that you are naked? Have you eaten from the tree of which I commanded that you should not eat? He said, who told you? Who told you? You have started listening to the wrong things. Who told you that you are naked? Who told you that you are broke? Who told you that you are stupid? Who told you that you cannot make it in life? Who told you? He said, have you started listening to the things you should not listen to? This whole, this, this whole experience, what it showed me is that there are two things that show that we have lost the Eden experience. Two things. The Bible says that when they heard his voice, they hid. Because number one, they were afraid. And number two, they were ashamed. Fear and shame always go together. So today I want to talk to you about dealing with fear so that you can restore the Eden experience. And, and this is so important, especially in this season. Like I said to you yesterday, when I told them on the, on the island, greet your neighbor, every man pocket in hand, I beg, cannot come and kill myself and die. <laughs> and I was, I was so amused because, you see, the problem, the problem with fear is that fear makes you do stupid things. Fear makes you do stupid things. How many, how many of you have seen the increase of sanitizers all over the place? How many of you know that sanitizer that was 6,000 naira before is now 20,000 naira? And everybody's rushing to buy these sanitizers. And I am so amused because they are antibacterial and this is a virus. So how, how is that making any sense? We're not thinking because fear has shut down your mind. And this is one of the things that God hates about us living outside the Eden experience. When you live in Eden, God's word is your source. The only reason why you are so afraid is because you have stopped listening to the word and you have started listening to the world. People are wearing masks everywhere. Plus masks that... (laughs) Yesterday as I was coming, I I was going to church. I saw an Uber driver and he had a mask on. Now the first thing is, the surgical masks are not the type that you use for this. And <laughs> God, the Nigerian people don't keep me laughter. It, first of all, it's not that type of mask. And then I'm not quite sure whether he was wearing it the right way or was wearing it upside down. But he, he hooked it and put it under his chin. And everyone knows that one of the things you don't do with this virus is you don't touch your face. So if you put it here, you're going to pull it all up. I'm like, why, why we, why, Kai? Somebody actually even told me that the virus is airborne. I said, you know, nobody even knows what, nobody's even paying attention. It is not airborne. It is passed by droplets. And you, hey, and you know, yesterday I was, I was, my heart was broken. You know why? Because so many people, even Christians, have forgotten that it doesn't matter what Satan brings. 
We have forewarning. Things are going to get worse than this. The Bible has already told us. But it says, you do not be afraid. So if you are afraid, you are disobeying God. And you are in error. The one that is raining now. And let me just deal with it now because I need to help some people. It, has, it, it, it seems to me now that the only chapter in the Bible now is Psalm 91. Everywhere, everybody, listen, that scripture will not work for you. You know why? Because you've not meditated on it. It hasn't entered your heart. It hasn't entered your spirit. If you open Psalm 91 and put it under your Bible, when the virus comes, it will press you on that Bible. It is the truth that you know, not the truth that you put under your pillow that sets you free. So I'm looking for Christians who actually know the word and are prepared for whatever comes our way. You see, the Bible tells us, you know when the Bible says that no weapon formed against you shall prosper? This is Satan sending sickness. It's a weapon. The message translation is so beautiful. It says, I, I formed both the weapon and the person who forms the weapon. And I'm telling you that the weapon, the thing that can harm you has not yet been created. So when you see scriptures like that and you have meditated on it for years, you'll be intoxicated by it. And I don't even know why everyone is in panic mode. I mean, probably here is a bit less than, like I said yesterday, people couldn't even shake their, their neighbor. I think why people are in panic mode is fear, like I said, fear will shut down your mind. The things that they're asking us to do are things that we normally do on a regular basis. Wash your hands. Won't you wash your hands before? That's how somebody wrote on my, somebody said, wrote on my page that she was in, she was in the bathroom and this girl walked out. Pretty girl made up everything, walked out. I was about to walk out of the bathroom. And so she turns to her and says, won't you wash your hand? And the girl said, oh, coronavirus, right? She said, no, gems. You just use the toilet. It's only common sense that you wash your hands. Wash your hands. That's what they are saying. Wash your hands. Hygiene is what keeps viruses. Hygiene, germs. You know, these things, are, these things are not rocket science. They say stay away from people who are coughing and sneezing before. So if somebody sneezing and coughing, you will choke your head there. You say bless you and you move back. That's how it's done. It's simple. It's not even rocket science. Stay away from people who are sick before. So, fear is what is exaggerating everything. You know, I heard this story a couple of years ago of, I know it's not a real story, but you know, it's an analogy that really works for me. It said that the angel of death said he was going to kill, took permission that he wanted to go and kill um, 10 people. And then he went to the earth, and then when he came back, there was report that 100 people died. So they said to him, uh, angel of death, this is not fair. But you said you were going to kill only 10 people. He said, yes, so I killed only 10. Fear killed the remaining 90. <laughs> and that is the reality today. The way fear will make you shut down, it's shocking. Very shocking. My, my, my daughter, Davida, the other day I saw fear in action. So I was downstairs doing something. Okay, no, the first, the first time I encountered how fearful she can possibly be was I was 
I think I was, I came into their room to do something. And I heard her scream. She screamed and she ran out. Mommy, mommy, mommy. And I said, what is it? What is it? What is it? She was shaking. So I had to hold her. What is it? What is it? She says, mosquito. I was in shock. So I went into the room and I said to, I said to Pastor Kay, I said, these children are too sheltered. You know what to make your beginning cry like a mosquito? So about three days ago, I was downstairs and I heard her scream. And she screamed like something was chasing her or something at what had poured on her or something. So I ran, I ran upstairs, left. I think I was doing, I don't even know whether they were doing my hair or something. I left the thing they were doing, ran upstairs. What is it? What is it? She was shaking. Mommy, mommy, mommy. I said, what is it, Davida? Davida, I held her. I said, you, God has not given you the spirit of fear. Say, God has not given you the spirit of fear. God, God, spirit. spirit. Say, say it, say it. I, as in, I was like, calm down. What is it? Sit down. I had to get her to calm down. And then I asked my daughter what was making her scared. She couldn't even tell me. And then her younger brother, David, who is still experiencing Eden. You know, Pastor told us on Sunday that the younger they are, they are still in Eden. The closer they are to the Eden experience. Now shouted to me and said, it's cockroacho. <laughs> and I told her to kill it. She was so afraid. Now, interestingly, this child is the same child that would see a huge dog. I've seen this happen live. Dogs anywhere, will travel anywhere in the world. If somebody is walking about with big dog, Vida will go there and pet it. And then we say, come back. They don't touch people's dog. Go. She said, mommy, will not bite me. See, dog, dog has teeth to bite. She's not afraid of dogs. The other day, they saw a snake in our compound. She wanted to keep it as her pet. She put inside a bottle and was, she was so happy. Mommy, let's keep it. I said, they don't keep snake from Genesis. It's one. <laughs> ah, <laughs> because I can't really shout. Oh. <laughs> if Satan has done it once, he can do it again. <laughs> so I have to help myself. So I said to her, I said, no, they don't keep snake. But this child is afraid of mosquito. So I'm trying to tell you that fear will make you do irrational things. How many of you know that some of the things that you regret doing today is the only, or rather you'd regret not doing today. The only reason you didn't do them was fear. And looking back now, in retrospect, even though we're we are on no regrets today, but in retrospect, looking back, you know that the only thing that kept you was fear. And fear is, is unfounded. Most times it's just, it's, it's, it's nothing. And that's why the Bible tells us that we must fear not. Do you understand? God expects that you would, you would be conscious of that and fight it with faith. Because the only way to fight fear is by faith. Now, let me quickly say this. One of the things I've learned over time is that people are mostly afraid for four reasons. I wrote it down because I didn't want to forget. So that I, let me quickly share with you. Number one, you know, that, you know that feeling of being unloved? Let me give you an example. Maybe an example that will make it clearer. If you are someone who didn't grow up with your parents, for instance, for any reason, could be anything, maybe they couldn't afford it, they sent you to an auntie or an uncle to go and stay with them. And you know those aunties, that even though you send them, they send you there. They're supposed to be auntie, but you end up being low-key house-ep. You know what I mean? So when you get there, 
Maybe they are giving their children bread, they will give you yam. Maybe they are giving their children rice, you will drink gari. You know, they never quite treat you like you are a child in the house. Now, if for any reason, their child, one of your cousins, breaks plate in that house, you know, they're they're not really going to be scared. But if you, low-key house that they are managing to help. Now break plates because you were washing it all. You know you are dead, Abby. You are already dead. So fear will first kill you before your auntie comes back. And you have told yourself all the things she's going to tell you. How your parents are useless. If not for, your, if not for her, you will not be any good. You will not do anything in life. You know. Or worse still, maybe she's not at home. And then your cousin, you are kind of close to your cousin. Your cousin now gives you one of their trousers to wear. Or one of their dress. And you are dancing and you just split. And the trousers are too gone. You know you are dead. You can't be explaining that it's your cousin that gave you that you didn't even want to wear it to. You wear this cloth. Why? You can't explain that explanation. The reason why you will be afraid is because you feel unloved. And God has already dealt with that. He says, perfect love casts out fear. There's no reason to be afraid. He's telling you because I love you. If God loves you, listen, he's not going to stand by watching anything harm you. Are there parents in the house? How many of you? Even mosquito. If you see the way I viciously used to kill mosquito when my, my children were much younger. If I, when I put my baby down, mosquito, you see me, I used to hold rap all the time. It's mosquito. Something as small as mosquito, you don't want... I might, you know, my babies are usually very yellow. So you don't even want any... You want them to be spotless. That's how God watches over you because you are loved. So when people are afraid, usually, especially when people are afraid of God or afraid of dying, it's because they don't know they're loved. Death shouldn't be something that as a Christian you're afraid of. Because it is just you stepping from here into here to meet daddy. Praise God. But a lot of Christians are afraid because they are, they are unsure of what to meet on the other side. But if you know that you are absolutely loved and the person waiting for you on the other, other side loves you more than anyone else in the world, you, you won't, I mean, you won't even think twice about being afraid of death. Another reason is when people feel helpless or threatened. You feel like the thing is bigger than you. You know, that's one of the things that really helped David. Even though Goliath was bigger, David knew that God was with him. He knew. He knew that this giant might be, he might be big old, but he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine before our mighty God? He knew that Jehovah Sabbath will fight for him. So when you are faced with challenges, you are faced with something in your office, what you need to remind yourself of is the fact that you have a God who is great. And the reason why a lot of people are so afraid is because they do not know their God. Bible says that if you know your God, you will be strong and you will do exploits. So it is not to put the Bible under your pillow in Psalm 91. That scripture is actually God telling you who you are. And it's telling you who you are based on the very first verse. It says that he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High. So there has to be a a dwell at him. Because if we say dwell in just short like that, 
dwelleth. That's why I read King James. You know I'm not a King James fan. But in, that's the only, I mean, that, that verse is so beautiful. It says, he that dwelleth. It means that there's a dwelling. There's a, there's a staying. There's a being in his presence. It's not a, a hurry. I'm, I'm not, oh, hi, dad. Mm-mm. When you dwell in the secret place of the Most High, you abide under the shadow of the Almighty. Meaning that for there to be, for you to be under the shadow of the Almighty, it means that he's covering you. What they are seeing is shadow, but he's, it's like, see it now, it's like something, I don't even know how to explain it. I know how to explain Jesus' name. There's a shadow here, but it's as if something, there's ants here. I can't reach it. Because it's covered. Why? Because he's dwelling there. There's a cover you take. So he's saying that if you stay there, under, can coronavirus touch Jesus? How now? So it's like, you know the Bible says that we are hid in him. We are hid in Christ. So when somebody is pregnant, for instance, there's a child inside them. That's how you are. God is pregnant with you. Hey, Kali Bosha. I need you to get it. God is pregnant. I need those images to form. God is pregnant with you. If something cannot touch you, it cannot touch your child. Every pregnant woman knows that. That you are a shield and that child draws life from you. So except there's no more life in you. And we all know that the life we will have came from the breath of God. So if you are in Christ, you are shielded, you are covered, you are protected. You are now dwelling. Ah. So if they like, let sanitizer finish in the market. You are dwelling in the secret place. You abide under the shadow of the almighty. So don't join them. It's not about social media. It's not about posting it. It's not about regranning. I had to put that thing up so that people will remember where our covenant is. That says that even a thousand falls by our right hand. Nothing. Even if there are many, it's not by number. It's not by number because they say 50,000 are dying. It don't concern you. It's scripture now. Shabby, they said how many thousands have died in this coronavirus. It's scripture. Give me, give me verse, verse 10, I think. Or is it verse 7? Okay. He says, a thousand shall fall at thy side and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. Give me TPT. It can't. So it doesn't matter how many. Because you know sometimes what happens is Satan tries to make us afraid by telling us how many people the thing is dealing with. Ah, it has touched one million people. Ah, yes, it's fine. If it has touched one million. If we are one million and one in the room, I am the one it will not touch. So it makes it clear. It says even in the time of disaster, with thousands and thousands being killed, it says you will remain unscathed and unharmed. It will not touch you. It will not touch you. It comes from knowing who covers you. It can't touch you. So if they let them sneeze, let them cough, let them just say bless you and move. But it won't touch you. Our faith is not in face masks. Our faith is not in sanitizers. It's not. We must know on whom we have believed. Another reason why people are usually afraid. When they feel they're not good enough. And God has already gifted you righteousness. So you are good enough. But I'm going to end with this. The major reason why most people are afraid is because they think they are alone. And I'll give you a very common example. And I I share this all the time. 
if you are in secondary school, and maybe you are in SS1B, for instance. Let me just use that as an example. You are in SS1B. And only you do not do your assignment. Every other person did assignment. And they say that the lecturer or the teacher is going to flog everybody that did not do assignment. Will you be afraid or not? You will be afraid. But if all of you planned that you will not do the assignment, and they say, principal is calling all of you. We plenty now. The man go tired. No, we beat all of us. No, they go, Abby. You will not be afraid. What is the difference? The difference is that in the first one, you are alone. The second one, you are plenty. How many of you know that one with God is plenty? You are plenty. So it may look like, it may look like to you, ah, I'm the only one. God, no, you are never alone. Never alone. Let me read the scripture as I close. Hebrews 13, verse 5. I want it in the AMPC. Give me the AMPC version of that scripture. Because yesterday, I, I stumbled, I mean, I know this scripture before, but I stumbled on this version. And I, I just, I mean, I couldn't stop thinking about it. Because you see, sometimes what fear makes us do, like I said, makes us do crazy things. So because people are afraid of losing their job, they will steal, they will lie, they will cheat, they will sleep with their bosses because you are afraid. You do not know who is with you. He says, let your character or moral disposition be free from love of money, including greed, avarice, lust, and craving for earthly possessions. And he says, be satisfied with your present circumstances and with what you have. For he, God, himself has said, I will not in any way fail you, nor give you up, nor leave you without support. I will not, I will not, I will not. Ah. See, listen. You know when Jesus wants to get your attention, he will say verily, verily. Abby, this is not verily, verily. This is verily, verily, verily. It's a progression. He has explained. He said, I won't leave you. I won't forsake you. I won't give you up. I won't fail you. Then just in case you are saying, "Ah, God, I hear your promises. But what if my boss says that they are going to fire us? He says, I will not. Before you come up with another excuse, he says, I will not. While you are thinking of another excuse, he says, I will not. And he now explained it. He said, I will not in any degree. I won't leave you whether small or big. You will never feel alone. That's why I said to you in the beginning that the presence of God is what makes Eden Eden. The fact that God was with Adam. The minute Adam felt the presence of God as a different entity from himself was when he went to hide. I don't think you understand me. The real thing God wants is that he wants to dwell with us and in us. That we should... You know, the source of a thing is the sustenance. We came from God. So to, re- to be sustained, we must spend time fellowshipping with God. We must empty ourselves of self until we are like God. That's why um, John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. And Paul said, I will travel over you until Christ be formed in you. Until you are Jesus, you haven't started. Do you understand? You have to get to the point where the presence of God is your reality. You wake up in it 
you wake up conscious of it. You live conscious of it. You go to the office conscious of it. You, you are moving about conscious of the fact that the host of heaven is moving with you. As you are moving like angels are everywhere. You see, because Adam ate the fruits, he became more natural. So the things that he would see normally, the spiritual things he would see, I believe he was seeing angels easily. Those things were now no more common. And as the years began to, because God knew that it would deteriorate. That's what he meant by we would die. And he knew that he didn't, he loves us so much. He didn't want us to remain in this inferior state. So he said, he put an angel to make sure that Adam would not eat the tree of life. Because if Adam had gone to eat the tree of life, we would remain like this forever. The reason why most people want to live on this earth forever is because we do not understand that when we go back to heaven, we enter back into the original state which we were created. We become like him. He says, we're not yet sure what we'll be like, but we are sure that we will be like him. When we see him, we will see him as he is and we will be like him. So heaven, empty, you see, Eden is the presence of God. Being conscious, being aware of the presence, living your life with that consciousness. So, two days ago, I had this desire to do what I call a soul purge. So, I'd been fasting for like, the bulk of last year, I fasted a lot. And now, the adverse effect on me for, with fasting is that when I fast, I put on weight. So, I'm fasting, but I'm getting fatter. And it's because my body enters into starvation mode. So, anything that I eat, my body will not to you, so I'll be getting bigger. So, I now said, so I was talking to someone, and the person said, but why? I mean, you can fast other things. Must it be food? And they called to me that anyway, me, I don't like food, so... I don't even think the fast is having the effect it should have. Because I'm supposed to be dying to myself. It's supposed to be something that will pain me. You know? So I was just with Pastor K about it. And I was like, I want to do a, a, a self-cleanse. A self-fast. What I mean by that is that I want to empty myself of self. So that my focus is on God and I become more like him. I'm, I'm hungry for a deeper communion with him. I'm, I'm hungry... To become more like him, become more patient, become more loving, become more fearless. So that I can do some of the things that God has asked me to do. So I was just this thing, Pastor Kale. I said, ah, I'm going to fast things like regret. You know, because regret can cripple you. You'll be there thinking, hey, why not do this thing like that? Well, life is going, you know. Life is moving forward. But you're thinking, ah, if I had known, if I had known. If you had known, you would have done better now. Now that you do, now no, now we'll do better. So I said, I wanted to fast things like anger. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do that, but I'm going to fast things like, <laughs> like anger. I'm going to fast things like fear. Like, take on my fears. You know, things like procrastination. You know, if I think about something, I'll just get up and do it. That I'm going to just lay all those things that, you know, self-pity. You know, one of the things about regret is that regret is because you are thinking about yourself. That how can I do this? Well, how can't you? Who are you? Until you die to self. You can never really fully trust. So I'll just just any more. I want to do all these things. I'll fast sugar, fast fish, fast the things I really like. Fast, you know, shrimp, sauce, and bolly, and, you know, things like that. I was just telling him, and pepper snail, and all those. And all those things. I was just telling him, or just just with him. Early the next morning, my husband puts up a post. Oh, join my wife. She's going to do a self And I went to meet him. I said, why will you do this now? Why will you put this thing up? 
He says, boy, it's not only you that wants to be closer to God. Now, people in the world want to be closer to God. I said to him, but there are some things you will do inside your house so that if you, if you can't do it, you have not declared it, so you will do it inside your house. <laughs> you, you are, it's you that we know. But then, then you come to me, you know, that, that in itself is not an attitude of Eden because that's shame. I'm already planning to fail. That's why I don't want people to know that I want to do it. So I put it out there. So for the next 40 days, I'm doing a self, um, self-purge, a soul purge. So I'm purging myself and my soul of toxic emotions, toxic energy, anything that. So I want to encourage you to join me. I pray every, every 3 p.m. on Instagram. Trust me, it will do you a lot of good. It will restore the Eden experience to us. Because in Eden, they were fearless. There was no shame. They didn't doubt God. They were not procrastinators. They got up and named animals. I mean, if, if it is how it is, how we are today, you tell fish, I'm coming, I'll name you after. Unakukuma plenty. Or you schedule... Private joke. You schedule when you will start to name them. So... <laughs> You plan to name them in December, knowing fully well that by November, you will schedule it again. But becoming like Jesus, Jesus got up and did what he needed to do. He knew he had three years. He was very focused, was very determined. And I believe that the more we purge ourselves of ourselves, we'll become more like Christ. So I want to encourage everyone to join me. Everyone, so that we can, together, in our communion with God, in our becoming more like God, we can restore the Eden experience into our lives. Were you blessed this evening? In the communion. Because it is the body and the blood of Jesus. It is the, the physical emblem that proves to us the presence and the covenant that God has to, with us. So tonight I want us to pray, first of all. Pray that there would be a consciousness of God's presence in your life. That you walk about carrying Eden. Eden is not a location. Eden is the presence of God. It is a place in God. It is a depth in God. It is, it is God communing with you and you communing with him. It is your being able to hear God more clearly. Be more alert to spiritual things and spiritual principles. So it is not just putting things on social media. No, it is knowing Knowing what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Being so certain of these things. Knowing God like, you know, like he's, nobody can prove to you that he's not real. So I want us tonight lift our hands to heaven and say, Father, I need your presence. I ask that you restore to me that Eden experience. That I will be a carrier of your presence. That I will ac- constantly be convinced that your presence is with me. I will feel it. I will know it. I will sense it. I will hear your voice clearly. That you will come and fellowship with me the way you did with Adam. Because there is a stronger covenant. In the name of Jesus, Makaya Bahanda Kodusa Talia Mamba Handegede, Lekebo Shatalia Degede, cry out in hunger tonight. For they say, they that hunger and thirst after righteousness shall be filled. 
you need to hunger for God. He says, draw near to me and I will draw near to you. I declare that I'm a carrier of your presence. In Jesus' name. Listen, Jesus came that he may restore the Eden experience to us. He came as Emmanuel. That is God with us. So he came to show us what it means for God to be with you. Bible says that he healed the sick. He raised the dead. Lame people could work. He showed mercy to people. He showed love. He blessed the little children. There was something about him that showed who we should be. For he said greater works than I did will you do because I returned to the Father. How many of you know that the real reason why you are not healing the sick is because you are afraid? How many times has somebody in your office come to meet you that they have a headache and you give them Panadol? But the Bible says that if you lay hands upon the sick, they shall be healed. So I want to challenge you this week, as we partake of the body and the blood, that you will become more like Jesus. You will be bold enough to do the things that he did. To obey the word so that he can back you up with power. Stretch your hands towards the communion. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your body and for your blood. We declare, O oh God, because the blood flows in us, no evil can come near us in the name of Jesus. We draw life from you. We draw the presence from you. As Jesus' body was broken, we declare our body will never be broken. In the name of Jesus, no virus can come near us. No evil can come near our dwelling in the mighty name of Jesus. And as we partake of it, we receive a new, a renewed consciousness of your presence. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. We know you've been blessed by this message. To order a copy of this message or any of our messages, you can call us on 080-777-14411 or 080-777-14412. Or you can visit our website on www.davidschristiancenter.org. David's Christian Center, home of victorious people.